and welcome to the show. My name is Donovan, Donovan Morgan Grant, and I am joined by Mr. Harrison Chute. Hello. And we've come together to do this podcast. We are two podcasters who've been podcasting for some years now. Uh, Harry's been into analyzing sci-fi on a socio-political scale, and I've been uh, into analyzing superhero comic books and superhero comic book media. So we've been in the podcasting game for a while, but we thought that we'd like to up our ante and try to talk about things that really matter. Things that people ought to talk about, but tend not to. Sociology, society, culture, race. So the purpose of this podcast is to have a, as honest and uncompromising a discussion as humanly possible. We are both big believers in communication, so hopefully listening to this show will explode... Uh, excuse me. Explode. Uh, <laughs> explode the world. <laughs> uh, broaden your mindset and uh, give way to critical thinking because critical thinking is where it all begins. So sit back, enjoy, and give us your thoughts once you hear our basic takes on the subject matters of today. On this episode of the unnamed uh, Donovan Harrison show, I think the question is... A little bit uncomfortable, but, uh, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, The question is, is there a morality to sexual fantasies? And uh, this is something that crosses a lot of lines, and I don't just mean for people personally. It gets into matters of gender politics and feminism, when theoretically what happens in a person's head and stays there is as apolitical as you can get, but... That's theoretically, of course. This question occurred to me in early 2015 in the lead-up to the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm sure you all remember that. Um, Ah. But I'd like to just start simply and ask you, Donovan, the question, is there a morality to sexual fantasies? I'd very much like to think so, Um, but I don't know. Um, You know, in thinking about this, I kind of come to grips with, like, you know, We've been brought up in a society that values certain things and sort of uh, demonizes other things for very specific uh, purposes of control and, you know, maintaining the status quo. But certain things uh, are deemed as either giving way to evil or just plainly evil. And the disagreement comes into, into you know, the, the more general, broader palette of, you know, what's evil, you know. Basic, you know, old school questions like is homosexuality evil or is even sexuality evil or whatever that kind of stuff. And then as you deep dive further into it, it becomes a lot harder to distill because of our personal upbringings in America and the 20th and 21st centuries. So because of that upbringing, I would like to think so because that means that everything I've known is not wrong. Um, <laughs> but hopefully um, whatever we dis- uh, come down to in terms of elucidating this topic um, there will be a def- at least, if not a definitive answer, a pathway towards that definitive answer. Mm. But what about you? <laughs> well, I mean, I would also agree. Um, I think it's interesting that you uh, what you said there because it's kind of that frustration with uh, discussions like these in the the socio political realm, where you always want to say like everybody's equal and everybody can do anything but there's always that backpedaling where it's like well you you can't kill people and you can't rape people and this like yes exactly even if we as uh millennial liberals want to uh separate ourselves from people on the right the one thing well one of the things that we all have in common is that we all draw a line somewhere right and so Mm -hmm. 
but, but it's just that these people have drawn their lines so immediately that it's it's easy to kind of disconnect. But everybody has their hang-ups and everybody has their uh, their not stigmas. What's the opposite of it? It's like they're you know they don't like I I don't really think that uh, pedophilia is such a good thing. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, we all have these these issues, um, and yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, that was a line that I always reached. Like, like it, it, it's it's really it's kind of like um, taking out a big steak knife and just kind of cutting cutting down 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 towards the bone of like, okay, this is where I stop. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because in growing up, when we did, I mean, it's not like we grew up, you know. Uh, 50 years ago where the uh, sexual mor- uh, morals and mores or whatever were a lot more strict hmm. uh, you know we didn't you know we've had the sexual revolution kind of come and go to where things are a lot more um, th- things are a lot more diverse in uh, sexual expression and stuff like that but there are certain you know things that are still seen as the bane of Human morality, like Nambla and such, mm. where it, <laughs> it leads into some dark, uncomfortable territory. But it's it's a hell of an exercise for like the thinking man or woman. So <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tricky because like you you kind of self-examine and realize what you really don't like and what you really don't mind. Right. And you have to kind of you know where. Where everyone is truly equal and everyone is truly like born into this world neutrally and original sin is only dictated by you know the country and government that that uh, you're born into then you know how does it's almost like kind of figuring out how the how the universe works in that in that kind of way mm-hmm. yeah um just as an aside though i, I kind of wanted to mention that like i think it is true that there is progress and i don't just mean like in american history but kind of globally and i think with uh (laughs) it's kind of a cliche but with globalization i think that Mm -hmm. that progress is kind of here to stay and and the mores that you mentioned are kind of um not only in the past but they're going to stay there but because like you know when we look at world history we see cycles of like puritanism and then like you know sexual revolutions and things like that but it was always cyclical but I feel like the way society works now, it's almost like the singularity, where it's just like, you know, I think something is permanent. Uh, so where are we now? And I guess it's where we're discussing this on a podcast and kind of dancing around the, the more uncomfortable parts of it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we start off easy. I mean, like, if the, if the question is morality and sexual fantasies, we kind of start from the beginning, like, define it. Not that we have to, but, like... In thinking about it, you kind of define sexual fantasy. You kind of think of the basic stuff, the cliched stuff, mm-hmm. the porny stuff, and then you just kind of, you know, spiral deeper and deeper. Well, um, yeah. What was your starting point? Um, I, pretty much just with my idea of what a sexual fantasy is, because frankly, I'm not even sure what the common ones are. Maybe you've done the, that research and you could uh, help me there. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Um. Well, uh if Wikipedia has me right, and it always does, because yes. it's always right, um, is you know basically uh, a mental image or pattern of thought that stirs in a person's sexuality and creates or enhances a sexual arousal. Mm-hmm. And commonalities of uh, at least in America, maybe maybe around the world, are, are things that are kind of seen as like you know outside outside the room of 
of uh, general sexual discourse, I guess, like infidelity, um, uh, polyamorous sexual relations, sex at work, even forced sex, I see as like a, a common fantasy amongst both men and women. Mm-hmm. The other kind of things that are like not expected, I suppose, at least not um, that, that you're not predicting that's going to happen to you uh, from one line to another, I guess. Would you say that anything that falls outside of straight-up vanilla sex would be considered, like, fantasy-like or, like, some kind of deviance? Is that, is that um, how people see it? Well, that's interesting. I mean, like, uh, I think that would be an easy way to look at it. Mm. But, I mean, a basic sexual fantasy is, like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, like you're 14 years old and, you're, and your teacher is really hot or whatever. <laughs> and you just kind of have those, like, you know... Uh, adolescent typical fantasies which are common but you know if you're a virgin like that's it can't it can't be any more quote-unquote deviant than that but although I, I guess as you're a student if you're a teacher that there's the law to worry about yes um but i mean i don't know it's or like let's make it a lot less icky it's kind of just thinking like from one single co-worker to another single co-worker but they're not together yet mm-hmm. so maybe it's just like just the the, the, the fantasizing of sex in general and it being sex makes it a fantasy or, or some sort of like, you know, kind of desired thing, no matter what the context in your head is mm-hmm. or, or the context in real life. So it's not always a bad thing, but because we are humans, it is often a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> I think because we're Americans. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because as, as, as um, sexually liberal as, as this country is in terms of its media, you know, in real life, there's still things where it's like, is... There's, there's, there is, to my mind, a minimum level of hypocrisy in, you know, what's cool to see on television or or, or on, on movies, and what you don't do in real life. Mm. And that's not me saying that's not me saying like you know, distance differences between the law or whatever. But like, you know, if you see your, your basic like raunchy comedy, it's like oh that, that was really funny. But like if you do that in real life, you will get punched in the face. Right. And there, there's there's a kind of like differences between. Uh, and advocating of behaviors, which what you you might find this funny and positive, but you know, you know that like that's not that's not right or whatever. And like, where where do the two meet? Where do the two kind of like uh, intersect? I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um. I just want to address the uh, just to backpedal a little bit. I just wanted to address the uh, the hot teacher thing because for a second there I thought you were addressing me with that because I that was my experience Wait, <laughs> because <laughs> in high school, um, yeah, there was that teacher and um. Like, me and my buddy would always just talk about this this English teacher. And um, I think important to note here is the hot teacher paradox for any high school kids listening, which is basically that uh, it's never going to work out. And I know you know that, but <laughs> it's it's not going to work out because if, um, if life is right, then she doesn't think about you at all. And if she did think about you, then you wouldn't want it right because why would you want to be in with a pedophile so that's the paradox and that's why the hot teacher thing could never work (laughs) and that's that's why my boyhood dreams were shattered (laughs) well i think think that like i think that that's a that's an especially common thing definitely um that no one could that no one can innately help Mm -hmm. um I mean, but like, like even like, let's say you're in high school and like you're a teacher and you, and like, this is this is completely supposing, and you you find a student attractive, like like you know intellectually like 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 the morality in there because of the power dynamic that you're taking advantage of, mm-hmm. or if you're like a sports coach or whatever, like like those are 
I was listening to a podcast in preparation for this that talked about like the um, the differences between a male teacher uh, in some sort of like uh, insidious relationship with a female student and a female teacher in a relationship with an insidious relationship with a male student and how you know society deems those I mean intellectually they know that they're like kind of, kind of the same quote unquote evil mm-hmm. but society treats them differently when we think of the South Park episode and stuff exactly and it's that is not for nothing that represents a presumed power dynamic and it also represents sexism I think yes. in terms of the passive female sexuality and the aggressive male sexuality and whatever's being catered to uh, whatever side of that is being catered to dictates whether it's good or bad um, which is endemic of our problematic um, presumptions of the female sexuality and our, our I say our want like, you know in the kind of collective sense yeah a yearning for control um but I don't know. I mean, I don't. Maybe it's not so bad in college. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, not that ever happened to me, remember, but right. Um, that power dynamic is kind of the crux of this whole conversation, I think, and that's kind of like why it it matters to me at all. Because um, when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, it was just so frustrating. And um, well, I guess just to start off there, what what, what did you? How did you react? To Fifty Shades of Grey, I imagine it was a bit more mature than saying, "Ah, this is some porno for milfs." Fuck that, you know. But what did you think about it? <laughs> well, I saw it. Did um, you? I did because because I was bored and I and I, <laughs> I saw it on a torn online. And honestly, um, my friend Stella, who I called out with, yeah. I, we were texting about it, and um, I honestly found the movie really boring. <laughs> 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 um, but it, it also because. BDSM is an actual like you know thing between consenting adults. Yeah. And I think it was being presented as this sort of like it. It was being pre- I think it was, it was presenting BDSM as a kinkier thing than it actually is. Hmm. Like, like oh whatever like like there's this kind of control thing because like like the female character worked for Christian Grey, mm-hmm. so there was that kind of like sort of master and I don't know slave mentality. In a way, in a, in a context which is a bit weird, that's not necessarily what it has to be. So, I think it kind of presented that sort of like that kind of taboo in that way, rather than you know people who are just going out and happen to be into BDSM. Right. It was that kind of like, like I think like the employment factor factored into that. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. But no, it was it was legitimately boring. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. No, it, it, and, it, and I think in that way it was it was just badly written and acted. But yeah, but I mean I didn't I didn't. Having a you know this sucks and this is why kind of like take on it because I think in that sort of like you know mob mentality reaction you kind of wear yourself out uh, expressing how awesome you are by saying that this is what's wrong in the world and <laughs> it's just harm- it's, it really is harmless fanfic right. that you know impacts me little whatsoever I, I'm much more offended by people in costumes uh, being written wrong than like any sort of like uh, sexual perversions in, in Hollywood movies right. Well, I mean, the the notion that it is harmless is was up for debate, and I remember that ensuing discussion. I'd actually, uh, I suppose I'll relate a quote here that I saw in the Huffington Post by the author Jenny Trout. Uh, she says, quote, Since the success of Fifty Shades of Grey is driven almost entirely by female interest, is it anti-feminist to criticize it? And I think that um, the central concern there, uh, like you were mentioning, for both feminists and for the BDSM community uh, is about... It's kind of the the validity of empowerment in 
female submissives? Like, is this... Because when you look mm. at it outwardly, it's kind of a visual metaphor for patriarchy itself, right? Yeah. So... Well, in, in that way, because, you know, you have, like, people who uh, are into BDSM where the woman is dominant. Oh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, that's... But in the Future States of Grey story, I guess I guess that would, that would be the case. And not only was it that, it was also somewhat coercive. Because, again, like you were saying, they had to kind of dr- dramatize it. And that this was fan fiction. It was literally fan fiction. And it was very much this fantasy of uh, bordering on rape fantasy, which you did mention earlier, and which is also the other part of this. But, um, uh, <laughs> well, I guess this is the moment. The, the, the BDSM thing is kind of like what... I would be into like that's my thing, mm-hmm. but of course it's you know it's the it's the opposite thing. Um, but a distinction there in BDSM literature that I have read draws the distinction between uh, bondage and slavery, and they've had to kind of struggle with their use of the term slavery because obviously it has connotations <laughs> beyond that. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's um, sometimes it's about like the bottom having power um, and really. The whole thing kind of begins with how or how the top is doing. Oh my god! Because what they're doing is for the pleasure of the bottom, right? And so if there wasn't mutual pleasure, then it really would be some kind of sexual torture. And mm-hmm. so I guess that's where we can kind of find some uh, relief. But right. I don't know because this that all comes from the only literature I've read is is of women talk women dominance being talking about their male submissives, right? So maybe women are just more sensitive and men are actually more like this Christian Grey guy? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think that, like, I, I think in that way it's kind of like sociology. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy isn't, isn't like, innately in every man. It's just the society we come up in. But it's interesting, like, like where you kind of bring up, like, the whole mentality of control or whatever. I, I remember there was a skit of, um, that Donald Glover did on, on, on when he was on this kind of uh, stand-up tour or whatever mm. he talked about like he was having sex with his girlfriend and she really wanted to call him a nigger <laughs> like as a uh, like some sort of like i think she even asked him that mm. and whatever or they, maybe she kind of just blurted out which is you know that is a very uh <laughs> it's a very volatile situation yeah um and i, and I thought well, he, well this is clearly made up um f- for the purposes of comedy and a few months ago a friend of mine uh, who I was working with, it said that like uh, his girlfriend asked him if she could call him that like during sex, and it's like, oh, so this is real because I'm not experienced that in my <laughs> in my life experiences uh, yeah. yet like, at least. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I guess in in sex you're never more. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do this, but like, like is, is that line from the first Spider-Man movie where it's like where he's talking about how he feels about Mary Jane? And you're, you're both vulnerable and powerful at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you can never be more than that uh, during the act, and it's like you want to be the most free. And does that freedom is that freedom negated when your control is dictated by the person you're with completely? Hmm. Um, and I, and I, you know, I don't think we're here to kind of debate the morality of BDSM necessarily, but but I guess that is a, a perfectly um, valid element of it. Well, I mean, I, I kind of see it on a spectrum uh, with. Because, again, it just goes back to the, the power dynamics of, of gender as they exist today, because the most extreme end of that is not something that you can play out. Well, I, I guess it is, but 
it's the uh, the rape fantasy, and that's something that's mm-hmm. kind of disquieting. Um, but <laughs> in Psychology Today, which is a, a publication I've disparaged in the past, but is you know is a convenient internet resource for uncomfortable things like this, they cited that four in ten women from between 1973 and 20, 2008 admitted to having rape fantasies. Um, Mm-hmm. When it's phrased as being overpowered by a man, as opposed to mm-hmm. specifically rape, more women will admit to it, which is similar to like how more men will admit to rape if you don't call it that. Um, yeah. It just doesn't that feed into a larger narrative that, yeah, no matter what, women always want it, you know. So is that's yeah. kind of like where the question lies? Like, is that okay? Well, to me. It, it's uh, it's uh, like like it's kind of spectrum. It's always like you know kind of contextual. Like I would imagine that like rape 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 is obviously like the the, the utterly uninvited violation mm. and force and you know forced sex is how I imagine it or you know whatever um, is kind of like a a level of like energy and aggression and aggression. That is un, uh, unpredicted, mm-hmm. but not outside the realm of um, you know it's, it's not off the plane the plane table I guess it's like it's like oh wow well, I, I don't know like if you spank someone's ass during sex no, they didn't necessarily like expect that but they didn't mind it like it's not it's an, it's an element of the sex and not so much an element of like the power dynamic but then again it can be perceived as that way or it can at least lead to some sort of things. Man, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's even conceptually hard because I, I kind of, I understand where these women are coming from because I've kind of had the same fantasies, again, from the opposite perspective where it's like, mm-hmm. but yeah, just thinking about it, it's like in drawing these fantasies, like literally, um, where, what is the situation where the woman is, I, I guess, having sex with me, but I don't want it? But she's like forcing herself on me. But again, I don't want it. Like, how is that? A, it, it just doesn't. It's like well, a contradiction. In that way, you like, like you're, you're kind of like the, the rape fantasy is the exhilaration of another person's pleasure. I suppose. Mm. Like, like I don't imagine people would, would want to be like straight up raped because that that would de- define your consent as being non-existent. Right. Like you don't you don't you wouldn't want that. But the exhilaration of somebody else, like you know, wanting you so much that they don't care what you actually want. Is can be can can be perceived as a turn on. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Let me just rip off what Wikipedia says. <laughs> um, rape or ravishment is a common sexual fantasy among both men and women, either generically or as an ingredient in a particular particular sexual scenario. The fantasy may involve the fantasist as either the one being forced or coerced into sexual activity, or as the perpetrator. Some studies have found that women tend to fantasize about being forced into sex more commonly than men. A 1974 study by Harrington and Singer found that being, quote, overpowered or forced to surrender was the second most frequent fantasy in their survey. A 1984 study by Nafo and Jaffe ranked being overpowered as their study's most common fantasy during intercourse. And a 1988 study by Peltier and Harold found that over half of their women respondents had fantasies of forced sex. Mm. And that that sounds like it's mainly painting a narrative of, like, the dreaded women always want it narrative, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to lead to singularly that road. But if I were to be presumptuous, which I am, <laughs> um, 
Okay, here we go. Uh, like, like the idea that men's pleasure is a gateway for women's pleasure in that way. Hmm. And I've, I've legit, I was actually talking to this with a friend the other day about how she was eventually become turned off uh, from sex because she felt that when she, with the men that she was with was just it was just all for their benefit, yeah. and that that didn't really appeal to her. But I've been I've been with women I've been with with a woman at least where who didn't really who who, who wasn't really satisfied if I wasn't mm. and like to the point where like she would feel like she would have low self esteem and I think that's that points to me towards patriarchy in that way yeah. where men's pleasure is seen as more um, more valuable than women's to the point where women would. Um, <laughs> as I say, as a man, women would would uh, perceive that to be true. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I agree, but that's that's just one of those things that it's like it's so hard to to really put that out there because it's saying you know that women are in a sense programmed, which everybody is, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. their the severity of their programming is is much deeper, and and that's what patriarchy is, you know. And it's true, mm-hmm. but it's a hard truth to reconcile, and it's a hard one to put out there just because it's like. What are you really saying? You know, but it's 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 clear what you're really saying. It's just, yeah, it's a tough one, and I commend you for saying it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it just kind of really speaking personally again. It just really kind of like informs what I what I want and don't want. Like I I, I can't really my my sexual fantasies don't include women who are terribly younger than I am, and that's not me being some sort of noble uh, <laughs> hero character. But like, because I'm not like you know. An older man, but like, like I can't. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't really, I don't really like to invoke the idea that I would be taking advantage of somebody who hasn't had a certain amount of life experience. Yeah. Th- that 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 thought really disgusts me. Yes. And I've seen it before where people my age, I just turned 27. I've seen it before where people my age are going with people who are who are just barely 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God damn! Like, I, I mean, there's a definite like mental power dynamic that I would imagine is in play that is being, um, that's being made manifest for, for someone's benefit over the benefit of another person. Or I'm just presuming. I absolutely could be just presuming, but like that's kind of how that's kind of like my mode of operation at least. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's it it's a good starting point to kind of work backwards from how the U.S. law has it. But obviously, everything has to be judged individually. But I've had to kind of check my own sexism there because my issue with it is also yours, but it's also just like I I can't even imagine like being because I'm I'm blessed to like not be attracted again to people who are younger than me. Like I've never been. Uh, I but like I just I can't believe it that 18 is like an okay age. Like there's that episode of Family Guy where. Uh, Peter travels back in time, and Brian's like, oh my god, it's 18-year-old Lois. And I'm like, really? Because you mm-hmm. know what the difference between an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old is? One fucking day. Like, <laughs> how is that a sexy age? It's like, it's 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 three years from 15. It's like, uh, you can, you, I mean, you can do all the math you want, but it's just like, oh god, that's so gross. And like, I've had to be like, you know, whoa, whoa, like, hold up there, because that's, you know, there's still a human being. Like, you can't just be disgusted by them. Uh... And I don't know, like that's just my own that's my own prejudice, really. Uh, and in general, it's been a good one, and I think that's kind of why I don't uh, like it so much, just because it's like I don't really like being on the bandwagon with a lot of these things. But yeah, I don't know. It just it weirds me out, man. 
Well, I think that, I think that like there's that was you mentioned Family Guy. There's that one joke where they reference a movie that I've not seen, where like Brian's like talking about like like a certain age of girls, where they they keep on getting younger, he goes like, getting older. Yeah. And there's that like concept of you know, you know, being with a young girl or, or even being with a virgin is like you know your experience is not being questioned by somebody your own age or older. So mm. the power is yours uh, at a certain level, uh, potentially maximum. In terms of you know emotions and mentality, which is just so fucking shady, yeah, and, sle- and sleazy. I know. Um, I, no, I, I <laughs> so where are we here? Um, there is a morality, but I don't know though, because I feel like, especially with women, maybe mm-hmm. they should kind of just be able to think whatever the fuck they want to think because like but then again maybe not i don't <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> there's, there's no they shouldn't obviously with men the 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 fantasies that they've had have kind of spilled out over into reality and that's like the ultimate over the line like that's the only that's like the first reason why we're even talking about this is because like for a lot of men they have their fantasies on the inside but then they kind of manif- make manifest those on the outside and they do terrible things um, but what if what if you just what if you never did? Like what if people always kept that shit inside? Um, first of all, would there even be a point? <laughs> and second of all, would it would it be bad? I guess. Hmm. Um, I, I have a hard time distilling like I don't, know, I don't have any like these outrageous like, um, you know, fictional fantasies where like you know, I'm, I'm fucking a dragon or whatever. Like so like a lot of it doesn't really apply to towards my mindset. But like for me, it, it really just kind of goes back to the ego. It's like you, you, any sort of those Boris Vielo paintings where, the, the, like the Conan or or uh, Cole the Conqueror kind of characters, yeah, uh, Rob the Robert E. Howard guys are like you know swinging their big swords around, and like the nearly naked woman is like just clutching at their leg, yeah, like that's not, that's a sexual fantasy, but in service of, of like an ego trip, mm. and I I, I I personally find the majority of like the conventional american sexual sexual fantasy to be in service for just a general general ego hmm. like i hate i was talking about this last night <laughs> when i was talking about the super cool show <laughs> that like i hate the cliche of uh, of a woman just spontaneously just like kissing a guy like yeah. like forcefully like like you know like if someone's like oh someone gives someone a pep talk and they just like starts making oh I, i'm so grateful that i will make out with you <laughs> i i I hate that, and like, like not just because it's realistic, but it just—it's just so obviously, you know, it's just in service of like, well, isn't that guy awesome? Yeah. Rather than, you know, having anything to do with like the woman, mm-hmm. it just bugs the shit out of me. It was uh, like I remember. Um, did you ever see the movie Limitless? No, I've avoided that one. <laughs> Man, uh, with um, uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. He, he takes that like drug that opens up like his brain potential mm-hmm. and he's being bitched out by like uh, his landlord's like younger wife and she's trying to study for something and then like he m- remembers something from a book um, that he read like like 15 years ago in, in a page or whatever and he kind of just cites it off and impresses her with her vast like uh, his vast intelligence and like with inside like 10 minutes they're like having sex wow and that that was the first time I was like just really disgusted morally. Yeah. That, that that I mean that honestly made me sick to my stomach because it was just so obviously like like people aren't women aren't that kind of like you can't like just charm somebody from like zero to one hundred percent 
in that sort of a time. And like he even says, like, oh, she didn't stand a chance. <laughs> it, it really, really grossed me out. Yeah, well, it's that whole conquest thing. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I mean, I, don't, I think that the, we would be, I think we would be kind of, you know, just kind of stroking our own egos by saying, and this is why men are bad, but like, you know, sexual fantasies are so honest. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. How what what makes them honest? You know, just besides you know the uh, the uh, you know the unintended na- nature of them or whatever. Like, you, you, it, I don't think it's a problem to have. Uh, I think it's all about how fantasies are shown to be okay. I guess. Hmm. Like, like the male fantasy is always shown to be like you know the ideal fantasy. Right. And I I, I would not know. I, I guess the only version that women have are like the opposite of, you know, for men, unless they're they're done by women or whatever. Like you have your tuxedo mask showing up to give you a pep talk to say it's okay is that on the same level as like the opposite that's interesting no because well i mean that's kind of like what power is this this patriarchy that we keep alluding to this illuminati like thing because in the Mm -hmm. media yeah we only we only really see one half of the story and then when we see the other half sometimes it is 50 shades of gray and it kind of reinforces that power dynamic theoretically or possibly um but I, i do like that theory that maybe it is about ego, um, but I'd even say that uh, that kind of ma- just makes me think that, like, you know, maybe all sexual fantasies aren't made the same, and they're not just about uh, getting off. <laughs> they're certainly not for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, it's just kind of like what you kind of like to think about, and everybody's different, so everybody thinks about something different. Well, I guess, like, what, what comes with sexual fantasy is, like, you know, elements of acceptance, um... I don't know uh, respect. I suppose it's like, like, like I, you know, I'm, I'm into you because you're worthy of me, an mm-hmm. idealized version of somebody you like to get with. Yeah, it's, it's like kind of whole catch-all thing. Like if you fantasize about somebody, just like, I don't know, just like, 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 basically picking you out. Like if you, if you went to a, co- if you fantasize going to a coffee shop, and like a big, tall, like statue, like Amazonian, like, like goddess-looking woman just chatted you up like men do. Mm-hmm. And just basically, just basically, like, you just wanted you for whatever she wanted, like, that is a a, uh, I guess, I guess your 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 sexual ego, but also it, it's it's sort of like, I guess, and also in some ways, it it lends itself to one's own personal utopia, I guess. Yeah. Like all is all is right when the world when I'm getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, in that way, I guess it's sort of like everyone's own personal sort of like aspirations for egalitarianism, which is. That's only a really bullshit thing for me to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I totally get that. I mean, that's kind of like the basis behind the Chronicles of Gore, which I is kind of important to me because it's like the exact opposite of everything I stand for and believe in. <laughs> God. The what? Oh, it's this uh, series of science fiction books that kind of have the, like, Boris Vallejo covers, mm-hmm. but it takes place on this planet where uh, women are all slaves to men, and it's usually, like, sexual in nature. And there's probably like 50 of those books, and they're just fucking insane. But mm. my fantasy is just the inverse of that. And so, like, is that <laughs> better? Uh, yes, in some ways, just because it's the subversion of, a, of an existing power dynamic, whereas the Chronicles of Gore is just the reinforcement of it. But yeah, that's just my own ego again. Alright, so do you know? Do you know? Like, like, do you happen to know the the origins of like the Wonder Woman character? Um, oh, I mean, I know it's by that guy who also invented the lie detector test, and so it it's, mm-hmm. it's related to that, but no, I don't really know anything about it. Well, now, <laughs> <laughs> what is this interesting? I was just telling my brother about this. Like, William Moulton Marston 
is the creator of Wonder Woman. He also helped develop the lie detector test, which is where, you know, is an idea of like why she heard lasso of truth, like makes people tell the truth. He is a very interesting guy. He was a very interesting guy because Wonder Woman, unbeknownst to virtually everybody who writes the character now, was basically this gigantic piece of propaganda because he believed in an utter global matriarchy. He believed that um, women were uh, inherently like more compassionate and better people than men. And he thought that like if men would kind of lovingly submit to them, then the world would be a better place. And this is this is strictly I, I mean this is this is right into his his uh, philosophical writings um, and his Wonder Woman comics. I mean the reason why there's so much bondage in Wonder Woman is because he found that to be a very I don't know if you knew about that. <laughs> oh no, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, like that that was never like an accident or like even him trying to be sneaky. Like that was he believed that Wonder Woman would, would be like this gigantic like. Uh, love warrior who could just like teach both men and women and boys and girls you know th- how much the world needs to be ruled by femininity yeah um, um and it's, uh, which makes her a very interesting character to me that i think that they've, they've totally squandered in the decades since um i mean he lived in a polyamorous relationship with two women mm-hmm. um who i think are still alive and is that i it's sort of that idea of like this sort of like subversion of a, of a patriarchy where it's also it's on one hand it's showing like the value of women, but on the other hand it's like over the inferiority of men, which is kind of interesting yeah. because we don't live in that right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Grant Morrison came out with a comic that kind of uh, brought that back a, a little bit. But you don't do so much; they could not do the Golden Age Wonder Woman stuff today. Right. No. Um, but it, it, it kind of shows like it, it shows like like feminine interests that in, that are that are involving sex directly, but that's not the main point. And so it kind of goes back to that idea of like, how does sex? How, what what part does equality play in sex? Or do people who just go out for one night stands is that all like their own personal ego trip? And that, and that's seen by this in this day and age as like a positive thing. Like I said, there's like sex positivity where if you go out just trying to get laid, you know, and you're not hurting anybody, that's perfectly fine. Um, but the, I guess the question is like, you know, is there morality in that which is as equal as it can get? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, we're not going to come to any conclusions here, but uh, I am like you're mentioning of uh, even that is is like uh, like one night stands and things like that. It's like me. Oh gosh, like have we left things out? But you know, wait, we're only two guys. <laughs> we shouldn't even be talking. Like the whole point of the, the show is that we're not really supposed to be talking about this stuff anyway. So we might as well just. Go for it, and you know. Well, this is one of those things I feel that, like, we we as as the show develops, we would definitely return to, or at yeah. least I would, I would like to. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's a good idea. I, I, I just just to just to give the old, the old college try, I would like to get into some seedier stuff. Yeah, if, if that's okay. Okay. Because the obvious thing is like you know okay there's there's, there's consenting adults there's like you know statutory stuff like that, and then you get into like pornographic material where like it gets into you know involving kids and stuff and Oof. my mind goes to japan <laughs> yes i'm surprised we haven't it's been 45 minutes we haven't talked about japan yet. <laughs> it was always going to end this way yeah um but I, I i spent the better part of this morning like just kind of going over stuff and just saying this can't be happening over and over again mm-hmm. um and just, I, I, i'm not a lot I, i'm i'm not i'm not new to this game i've known a lot of what goes on but like in terms of like certain laws and like you know look up things like lollycon and stuff like that situations like that demands 
demands the exploration of you know morality. So what were they? They just they're finally putting down laws towards uh, general um, you know kitty porn in in their animated uh, media. Yeah. But if you look at like the history of anime, so like that that's that's been prolific pretty much all around. Where like even now, like in modern anime, I feel that like female characters are generally rendered um, like at, at a very like teenage or younger kind of like character design, even if they're not. Like no, you're not going to see a woman who looks like Faye Valentine anymore. Right. Who's who's you know whatever you say, she's clearly an adult. Mm-hmm. There's that thing where it's like people uh, people who are found with that with that kind of law. I've no, I mean it was in America. Um, People were, who were found with that like kind of lollicon material were, were arrested, mm-hmm. and it kind of brought up you know where he wasn't doing anything towards real people with it. It was just on his, his own personal thing. So where's the morality in that? If they're not acting upon that, is that fine? Is it, is it like kind of like the, how the Catholic Church sees homosexuality? Like, as long as you don't do anything about it, it's fine. Or does that go in line with the idea that like if you associate yourself with that in your mind, eventually you're going to snap? Like how you know. The argument against violent video games, kind of thing. Yeah. Is it is it is it similar in that way, and and where we where at this point do we fall on that? Well, I mean, I I think that it's like not everybody will snap if they're exposed to it, but obviously in anything, maybe 0.5 percent of people will. So you have to regulate the whole just because you can't account for every everyone. But yeah, I mean, I just. One of the the topics of this show that may or may not come up later, just because it's a little, it's pretty hardcore, is uh, is pedophilia the next thing in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, it's the same like Republican like, oh, where do you draw the line? Like, as we become more progressive as a culture, is it really a narrative of like, okay, first it was black people, then it was women, homosexuals, transgender, pedophiles? Is that the next step? I don't know, but I just see, especially with Japan, I just see so many pathways. Uh, where that kind of thing becomes normalized in our society, and I think it begins with, you know, a great work of literature by Nabokov. But I think it also is like, yeah, you know, there is a, um, a the, one of the tropes in anime is the big boobed fourteen year old. Uh, like that's a thing, and like yeah. there's this really weird part of Dororara where uh, Erica like m- just fucking molests uh, Mrs glasses no character with the big boobs and it's like really weird but you can you can say that japan is more sex positive uh because of that and so like is that another route to which we normalize that you know despite all the legislation despite everything else like i just i don't know and so obviously in this what i'm saying is that i don't want that to happen but maybe that's my prejudice you know and maybe i'm that guy from 50 years ago you know yeah exactly It's, it's, it's like the author of Love Hina, who did something else, like he was when they made that that most recent law about the prohibit uh, the prohibition of uh, certain material depicting minors, mm-hmm. even in fictional content. He said this is not going to lead to any criminals, you know, this content being out there. And it's just one of those things where it's like I appreciate a lot of Japan's like kind of like, you know willingness to explore certain things. Like I, I really liked an Evangelion. Like the sexuality of Shinji, mm-hmm. where there's an episode where he, like on one of his like you know acid trips, he was like <laughs> fantasizing about um, Ray, uh, Asuka, and Misato, in a way which I, that felt very like honest and natural. I mean, it wasn't like at the expense of the characters; it was like in his, his own teenage brain. Mm-hmm. And I thought that like that that, that just felt really realistic to me, yeah. in, in a very kind of bizarre way. And yet, like if you actually looked like the the, uh, the merchandise sold, it's all about <laughs> sexualizing those those uh, high school girls. Right. And it's and it's just 
it's almost like they missed the point of the show that this American black guy like, 20 years later figured out <laughs> <laughs> or that um or Hideaki Yano at least put out there initially it's like it's, it's like you got, you got the answer but you didn't understand the question kind of thing right exactly it was like did you guys even see the beginning of the end of Evangelion where he's masturbating to Asuka's comatose body <laughs> like uh, that's what you guys are doing <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's specifically supposed to make be the point. Like, right. I've heard so many interpretations of that being like indicting the otaku culture. Mm. Um, I know that there's a, a documentary about the otaku otaku culture out there that talks about people who uh, are um, consumers of like this really kind of like crazy content. Fuck, at Comic Con, I've seen like like uh, they'll they have like you know. Like beyond the hentai boost and anime boost, it's like like they'll, they'll have like figures that are really like dubious. Mm. And I'm not talking about like I mean I guess like uh, in some instances like Kill a Kill is among those things. Oh yeah. Where like the characters like 17 years old, but they're they're, they're overtly sexualized. But it's so it, it it's that show at the same time. I mean I guess it's a product of, of its environment, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to overtly eroticize them in a way which like this is why you come to see the show. Right. Well, I mean, maybe being biased because I like it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we both really like Kill a Kill, and so maybe it's just hard for us to admit certain things. But that show is is definitely interrogating a lot of that, doing kind of the extending the work of Evangelion without the same uh, language. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. Well, I mean, when I said that Kill a Kill is the is the greatest TV show ever broadcast, <laughs> which is otherwise, Hell yeah. I'm not like I always have to kind of back away from that part of it and just talk about like how powerful it is as a story and all this stuff but yeah i don't know um there was that part when stella was watching it she texted me saying what the hell because uh when ragia was like molesting um yep satsuki and i was like yeah i got nothing i know and, well, and, and you wonder like you wonder if that's for the titillation of the audience members even though like a fucking crime is being committed right on the screen I heard a very, very interesting interpretation of that. Um, basically, the this critic was saying, like, no, not to excuse uh, what's really going on here and not to kind of invalidate anybody's, you know, triggers or anything like that, but uh, what's impressive about that scene is not that it characterizes Ragio as a villain, which would just be superfluous, but that it kind of characterizes Satsuki as somebody who is uh, this willing, or not willing, but just, like, this is how much she endures for what she wants, and, like, so it kind of... Uh, helped his hmm. appreciation of the character in a sense, but yeah, you know, interpretations are individual as well, and so when you look yeah. at that, it's like, somebody's getting off to this, and I don't want to meet that guy. And it kind of goes to the other places, too. I mean, like in American comic books, I mean, it is is it's almost part of scripture that, like, the female characters since Action Comics number one have been, like, sexualized to varying degrees of of, uh, of sanity and morality. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of extreme examples. And I can't. I mean, but there are basic examples like you know any Jim Lee drawing or any Ed Benes drawing or any <laughs> Al Rio drawing. Um, I mean, like they're better now. Mm-hmm. I, like they're a lot more you know character designs that are a lot more cosplayable, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that line has never been firm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, not not really. But like, but at the same time, we kind of go back to like in terms of the fantasy. I mean. Uh, and the ego element of that, you know, people want to be sexy, people want to be deemed attractive, and that does that standard ultimately only serve men? Like, if someone looks like um, Wonder Woman, I guess, mm-hmm. who is, you know, is honestly made to be like the ultimate woman, yeah. not defined by her sexuality really um, solely. She is supposed to be like, you know, everything that that is a woman, which mm-hmm. is, you know, and that's and that 
in the way that she was conceived, that's not what men want in that way, right. or not solely what men want. If women want to be that way, even though she's kind of basically dressing like a bikini, <laughs> that you know, is that uh, an immoral fantasy? I don't think so, but is that because I like the character? Is that because it services my ego? Like it's right. that kind of. I don't know how I got a Wonder Woman from Kill a Kill, but. I apologize. <laughs> There's probably some lineage there, but I mean, yeah, well, it's also that like you know, this is a even if it is a, a subversion of the typical male approach, it is it is the creation of a man, and so that's the other the other part of it is that we just don't get a lot of women creators in general, um, and so we don't really get an insight to uh, their fantasies. Um, but yeah, so like, would Wonder Woman is is she actually a paragon, or do we just think she is? Um, and I know I think she is, but you know, mm-hmm. with somebody else. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I really think she showed out that way. And I know there there have been creators down the line after after Martin uh, William Moulton Marston died, like Phil Jimenez, who was a gay artist and writer, who tried to bring back that like level of universal compassion to the character. Because mm-hmm. like, for for the last like twenty five years, she's just been basically like Xena rip off, sure, in a thoroughly unimaginative way. Mm-hmm. Um, although she was a little better in the. BVS movie, like she wasn't just that. Interesting. Um, yeah, she was a shocking positive of that movie, but um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, like uh, the shows that you watched, or, or more than more than I, like Morbido or Ghost in the Shell, where the where, from my, from what I understand, sexuality isn't like at the forefront, at least in terms of like the the animated series Ghost in the Shell. Like, do those? Like, I don't. I, I've not seen, for instance, like has there been any sort of like sexuality in Morbido? No. Uh, and also, it has a note: the, the original author was a woman, but the anime series that I saw was directed by a man. Just a but no, there was no sex. There was a two bath scenes that kind of book uh, bookend the show, but other than that, nope. Um, oh, I wouldn't want to say books. So, so I, because, because thanks for <laughs> having helping me waste my day because I, I read that uh, women read comics yeah. thing about Ghost in the Shell. That was amazing. She wrote like ten articles about that, mm-hmm. and there was an article about a scene in the show. Where she was like like naked in bed with a kid or something like that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so that happened, and she was analyzing that scene from a number of different angles. Mm-hmm. And the major, to me, in a little I've seen, is a very like um, uh, forefront example of an ideal fictional female character. But in that instance, was she being depicted? Because I've not seen the episode mm-hmm. in a way which is um, submissive towards a sexual male fantasy. Or was she in control in that scene? It is very, very hard to to be like, uh, you know, the major's always cool, man. She didn't. This means nothing. But it's like, you know, this was created by like a group of men, and so I think that there is some element of maybe like leering at the camera and being like, hey, would this be mm-hmm. funny? Uh, so it's not. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't help her character at all. Um, I don't know if it's even neutral, but. Because that's really the only thing we'd be grasping at, um, whether or not this is just nothing. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's so hard to be like no, because it happened. You know, she's naked, she's lying in bed with this fucking kid, and I mean she, the inter- the interpretation that the author that you cited, uh, Claire Napier, gives is that maybe like she's because the whole episode yeah is about like this kind of um. It's kind of this like lean on me or not lean on me, but yeah, maybe, but like almost like the substitute kind of like patriarchal oh, yeah, narrative yeah. of like you know going into the inner city because she goes, she's a Japanese woman who goes to Taiwan and she runs into this kid who's like caught up in this this drug game because of those dirty Taiwanese 
the whole the whole episode kind of becomes about like whether or not this kid is going to be able to escape the life and kind of grow up and so i think that's what that scene is theoretically about like if he is kind of um adult enough to be like no i think i'm gonna wait but why in the fuck did you express it like that you know like where does that even come from because that is like so beyond the pale like the the manga and I, I never saw that boat scene from the because I got the the American edition, but that had it cut out essentially. I never oh, yeah, saw I read, that. I read about that, but I, but I, yeah, when I saw it in like the Tokyo Pop version, I, that was cut out. Right, and that image is so graphic; it's insane. But yeah, it is. <laughs> but that scene in Second Gig, which is my favorite season of television, is so much worse, and it's not graphic at all. Nothing happens; it's just a conversation. But it is so like it is so weird. That is just like, it's like, I'm past the point of no return on that stuff, you know? It's just like, you guys, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I think, I think that, like, it, it would be worse because I guess that, like, in the manga scene, which I don't know if we're going to get into, like, like that's just kind of her own thing. I guess it's also, like, some sort of virtual reality thing. There's I, also I, no men, men in it. I guess it was created by men, so whatever. Well, Bato was watching, apparently. Like, he's, right. like, watching from the bushes. Like, I can't really understand the paneling, but I, I don't know. I remember more about that was a dialogue. <laughs> was there, like just kind of just talking about this techno babble? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that is that is Shiro in a nutshell. It's like this like, is techno babble and like crazy yeah. like wet boobs and like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Of course. You know, it's just it's tough. It's tough. Because, I mean, this whole thing is hard because we are both guys, and we're straight, and yeah. like yeah, exactly our our fantasies are rooted in in that. Um, no matter how you know, progressive, I think mine are, and that's obviously not why I have them, but, so it's, yeah, it's just hard, again, just because, like, you know, women, women's voices in these conversations have been so muted that I'd be interested to know what they think. I want, before we go into something else, or maybe even in, I want to bring up something I looked up, uh, and Googling, um, sexual morality and famous fantasies, Mm. and there is, uh, a transcription of a, uh, radio conversation in Paris called Sexual Morality and the Law that took place between uh, Michel Foucault, who is a, uh, was a French philosopher, and uh, Guy Hulkengim, the gay activist, and a Jean Danet, who's a playwright, and they kind of like took the uh, age of consent laws in France to task mm. and started saying that they were trying to like basically create criminals as opposed to criminalizing crime. Yeah. Sort of, it's sort of like, you know, like, like hate the center, not the sin, or, or, or vice versa, or whatever. And, like, they, they started arguing against, um, basically, like, like, they said that, like, you know, because at the time, France had, you know, the age of consent was 15. Mm. And they started argu- arguing against that, saying, you are really trying to criminalize people in consenting relationships, or whatever. And they, they looped in, like, you know, you're, you're going to criminalize homosexuality. And I was reading through it, and I was really kind of, like, on board with their argument, but by the end of it, there wasn't enough of a recognition that, as we said before, in terms of like you know like a 25 year old person and like a seven year old person, like psychological consent or or whatever that was just that wasn't really being addressed. Hmm. Like even if if a kid knew like thinks they know what they're doing, we at least brought up with the idea that they that they most probably don't in terms of the general context. And I think that it's so hard to argue that they would. Yeah. And they're they're saying that 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 kids' um, uh, psyches have been like you know misrepresented or kind of seen as short sighted or whatever. But 
there wasn't enough acknowledgement that there are predatory relationships out there, mm. which kind of like, as I was, I was at first, I was like, man, maybe they're right. Maybe it's like, maybe we've been kind of like kind of controlling sexual in this way. But I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're not really giving, you know, attention towards this very real danger that is not made up. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, people like regret sex all the time. And if, like you regret sex as a 30 year old that you had when you were 12 like that could be really mm -hmm. traumatic um just to kind of expand on that point but yeah it's frustrating because there are so many things right now that are, have been said as wrong that were you know once we stop and think about it and we think about the individual mm -hmm. and recognize the personhood of somebody it's like wait a minute there's nothing wrong with you know transgender community there's nothing wrong with the lgbt community but when you when we kind of dip our toe into like sexualizing children or whatever, it really is that like you know that 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 perception of uh, of taking advantage yeah. that I would imagine any moral person wouldn't want any part of because <laughs> that ultimately can only serve their ego or if, if they're hopelessly in love with like a you know a second grader. <laughs> I mean it, the the knee jerk reaction say that's wrong, you know get your head out of your ass, but. I, I don't want it to be any more complicated than that. Yeah. And I'm not finding it to be so far, mm -hmm. but I'm worried if it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty worried about that too. But like, who are we to say? Who are we to judge? You know. Before we end, I did want to because I've, I've I've like every time I say something recently, I've been like, oh god, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, I I just want to point out that like where I was going with the whole like you know, well, we're only guys. Is that like there is that kind of that kind of difficulty in talking about like a, a scene like the ghost in the shell boat scene, which is so, I said like, Oh, so graphic and so gross, but it's like on one hand, I've seen worse. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I, I had to say, but it's like, it's, it's gross to me because it's, it's by this guy. But on the second, on the other hand, like maybe I am really like a sex negative person and I might be like, I just, I don't know. It's hard because like not every, every woman sees these things the same way as I do. And so I can't just be out and out and be like, you know, all oh, anime is gross or whatever. Um, because, like, oh, Jesus, I lost it again. I, <laughs> I keep trying to make this point. I keep fucking forgetting it. Um, I, well, I think that, like, um, I, you know, in terms of like, sexual fantasy, I think I wanted to get across this and I, I didn't think about or I forgot about it too much. Like, you know, sexual fantasies of, like, certain characters or fictional characters or whatever can be benign up to a certain point. Yeah. Like, I think one of my earliest <laughs> sexual awakenings was with the character Morrigan from Darkstalkers. Okay. Um, when I was playing Marvelous and Capcom. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you play with her and you win, like, there's a victory image of her, and she's bending over to, towards the fourth the fourth wall, <laughs> licking her finger. <laughs> oh, my and God. As an 11-year-old, I, like, I, like, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it, I, I knew not of, like, the world of hentai or whatever, but, like, I just thought, I thought that was really cool. But, like... So I, and I think that that's that's fairly you know I would imagine it's very innocent of me speaking myself of me. Yeah. But does that lend itself to you know is that is that a gateway drug to like um, I, I don't know <laughs> does that branch off into like the, the worst case scenarios like the boat scene from the Ghost and Shell manga or whatever where it's just completely without uh, point. Well, I mean, you don't want to bring up the slippery slope principle, but in sexual perversions, yes. that's often. A thing where it's like you just need something more intense because the old stuff isn't working for you anymore. So mm -hmm. I think that that is kind of a valid concern. But at the same, like you know, that whole thing, like 
as an adult and as a liberal, like you can look back on that and be like, you know, obviously this was for the titillation of a guy, and that's why it's wrong. But not all women, hashtag not all women, think that that's bad necessarily, just because we think it is. But obviously, yes. So it's like you know, the sex worker uh, aspect of like feminist discussions is possibly the most difficult and challenging. Yeah. Um, because it's like on one hand, it's like sex slavery is bad. Nobody's arguing against that, and it is you know pervasive in the world. Um, but you know, what about like strippers? You know, when we look at a stripper, we think of somebody who is almost subhuman. Where you know maybe this person's just really trying to express themselves, but at the same time she's expressing herself to the titillation of men, and that's always been the wrong end game for liberals. So that's just that contradiction. It's just so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Well, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's like uh, like like right now like like uh, Amber Rose, who's like Kanye West's ex girlfriend, who's come out as this very like extremely like she's a very she has a very curvaceous figure. Mm -hmm. I believe she was an ex stripper, and like she's been. She's written books about, I think it's called Bad Bitch, where, you know, these sex-positive books, and she did that video yeah. where she kind of, like, you know, flipped up the walk of shame to be something that, to be seen as a positive thing, <laughs> and which, which which is is great because it's it's freeing people from the shackles of, like, you know, negative t negativity based on controlling sexuality. Yeah. But is that the solution? Is that the definite way to, and I'm not saying it's not, but... You know, just questioning. Like, like, have we figured it out by that point? Have we figured out like this is this is what you do in that in that instance? Hmm. Um, are, are these images that are pixelated or animated or whatever completely harmless? But why would you even want that? I don't know. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. That's the thing. It's just like we can have these discussions, but it's like why? Where does this even come from? But then that's maybe that is our prejudice again. I don't know. I don't know. I'm personally like to return to this because I feel that like. It's, it's one of those like, kind of scratching the surface things, but like once we start going, we kind of just go down the well of this leads into this, this leads into this, this leads into this. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, was there uh, anything else? Because I feel like we could go on forever, but also I don't know where we would go next, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But, I know we could, but yeah, it, I think it would be kind of like this sort of like – it feels like the introductory to a book, and there would be like these subsections and stuff and these <laughs> – Appendices and articles and yeah, it's a chapters course. and chapters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I guess um, uh, that's all. This <laughs> we'll need to train to to do better. Yes, I, I agree. But um, just for my conclusions for now, um, I guess the questions that we kind of asking here kind of boil down to like, is it right for someone to feel perverted or abnormal for these things? You know, is there a better way, and can we formulate a better way to deal with them that doesn't involve stigma? That doesn't involve these people having to internalize things and feeling like they don't belong because truly how can you benefit from a conversation if you're excluded from it? And so yeah. I, I think that their legislation is obviously a good thing in cases where we're trying to keep lecherous older people away from children. But mm -hmm. all, all you know, it's not all priests <laughs> in the archdiocese. You know, that's that's not everybody. Exactly. So is there a way to deal with, you know, the kinds of characters that uh, we deal with sometimes in our, even our mainstream media, like Lolita, like that Kevin Bacon movie, that kind of stuff? Like, you know, these feelings exist in our culture, so how do we deal with them in a, in a human, humane way? <laughs> Why can't possibly solve this mystery? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then just, 
that episode of The Simpsons where he's like, I don't know who the killers do you, and then he <laughs> points at the camera, and then the camera turns around to Chief Wiggum. <laughs> that's my favorite episode. <laughs> oh, really? That is a good one. I don't really yeah, remember. That that's so. Funny. Oh, it's 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 like rapid fire off. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? I mean, this doesn't have to be added to the main body, um, but there the. There was a point I, I was going to mention, and I'm not sure where, where it would have gone, but I remember um, I was my first, the first person I ever podcasted with, is a very, very like stereotypically like worst case scenario anime fan. Like he, like his favorites are like Ikitosin and like, like the yeah, which <laughs> oh my God. which I, I I he he made me watch five episodes of that, and like oh. I actually I actually I actually felt. My, my college education evaporated. <laughs> yeah. it, it was it was goddamn horrible. That's but like, I mean, but he's he's that kind of guy. Where like, sure, you know, he you know he, um, he's he's very like he he claims that he's a very like like kind of like, uh, sex positive uh, person. But you know, just know it's to hide how to hide his uh, quote unquote perversities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet he refuses to be called a feminist because he doesn't know what feminist feminism is. Yes. And at one point, I remember. In our in our battles, like he said that like there was no such thing as a slut, and this is around 2010, and I was like, oh, what are you talking about? You're just saying that so you can enjoy your pornography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where like you know years later now I'm, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. But um, it was coming from this 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 voice of <laughs> a very self interested man. But at, at this late day in my life, it's an interesting point to think about. But I don't know. I, that was just something I was going to bring up. I'm not sure if it had any place in it. No, I mean that's that's kind of cuts right to the core of it because it's like yeah there's that the reason this is so challenging is because like that's a really good sentiment because obviously slut shaming is something that we need to excise from our culture but that it comes from this guy is really tricky because it's like you know on one hand it's like maybe we shouldn't discourage that because you know it's it's progress in a sense it's different and that's all progress is is just change but maybe it's not the best because it is self-interested who knows mm-hmm. yeah exactly Oh, man. I, I know this, this is a hell of a discussion. <laughs> we, didn't get, we didn't really get anywhere, but like I thought that like it was a serious mental workout. Yes, indeed. I just want to note that I dropped dime on my sexual fantasies, but you were skilled enough to not do that yourself. Well, I was. <laughs> I think it's because I'm not alone. House, and I want. I have a loud voice. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to this podcast completely like unmasked. Sure. Like, like, so, but I, I was, I was going to mention, like, you know, sexual experiences, and the last one I had was with a woman twenty years older than I was, and all that kind of stuff, and like, mm. uh, like stuff that like is very personal that I've not said before. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't mean to, to, to avoid it, but uh, I, th- I think like, uh, I think I was about to get into something with that Donald Glover thing. Um, yeah. Not that, not that that specific instance happened to me, but like a, a somewhat something similar happened race related that I must have forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> Just put your mind. <laughs> Man. That's a that's a really interesting anecdote. I can't believe that. But I, at the same time I totally can. <laughs> what it was is that like when I was <laughs> when I was engaging in sexual congress with a girlfriend, like she mentioned something about my lips and I they always kinda had me like like arching my eyebrow later on but yeah. I was just in the in the throes of passion that like I don't think I <laughs> It, I let it bother me, but I'm like, hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. one's, you, you don't, you don't, you don't know. And probably it was racist, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there is no probably. It's like Yoda. <laughs> probably. <laughs> there is no probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's for everybody else to decide, right? That's the, that's the thing. But 
Yeah, at the end, this is like super liberal training academy. Like at the end of this, man, you're gonna be like the you're gonna be like Buddha, but of yeah, social so. progress. The last thing I guess is just that in terms of what this show is about is that yeah, we we really can never come to conclusions about things without other people's help, um, because it's almost immoral to do that to kind of claim an authority on all this diversity of subjects or really any one of them. So, yeah, uh, once we get an email set up, um, <laughs> please, uh, you know, tell us what you think, because that's an integral part of the show. Like, this is only half the show, um, whether or not the, the other half turns into like, a, oh, let's do a voicemail episode or whatever. But, I, but it's just like theoretically, like this isn't just about Donovan and Harrison. It's about like trying to expand this conversation to as many people as we can. Uh, mundo. All right. So I guess that'll do it. Any closing extra closing thoughts you wanted to mention um the, just picking back on what you're saying like uh it's all about communication mm. i mean everyone cares about this kind of stuff even if you think that like things are fine and you know there's no need for major change in certain places argue that point so we can you know at least investigate if we are wrong right or exactly. if, if 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 you're um of the mindset that uh you know, things are are screaming to be changed. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, absolutely. Please, please, we we want you even more <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. we're, because we're biased. But but, but like we, we want, we, you know, things need to change, and people out there want to change in, in this advent of social media. But yeah, there's still, it's not happening in the way that it needs to, and we gotta like you know, someone needs to make a difference, and that someone can be you. So please. <laughs> yeah. uh, Contact us, you know, email us when we have one, uh, you know, tweet, tweet us, send us IMs or whatever, because we get all we want is communication. Absolutely. I think that'll be the note that we end off on. So I think this is another good one. Now, one of the most common fantasies of all is one in which the woman is raped or sexually assaulted. Against her will, someone just can't control their desire for her and they force her to have sex with them. She may be physically restrained or disadvantaged, protesting every second but at the same time, secretly enjoying it. This fantasy has many people scratching their heads. Why would you fantasize about being raped? Crazy brain! Rape is traumatic, not sexy. And in real life, that is the case, but we all know that what goes on in your brain isn't always real life. That is to say, rape fantasies don't mean that women want to be raped or sexually assaulted. Despite all the research that's been done on rape fantasies, it's still a little bit unclear exactly what it does mean. So here's a summary of the general hypotheses that are out there about rape fantasies. One is just that it's sort of an extreme expression of power dynamics. So it's kind of like a branch off of submission fantasies. Another is that our culture eroticizes violence and aggression, so people are internalizing that. And the third, which seems to hold the most weight, is that it is sort of a guilt mechanism. Rape means force, so women can engage in these wild, you know, raunchy sex romps and then not feel guilt about it because she protested and she tried to stop it, but the pleasure came anyway. Can't blame her.